This morning we are starting a new series called People of God, Navigating Crisis Together. I wanted to share briefly how this series came about. We had this idea um, of highlighting other people of God in our church, other voices in our teaching team for the next three weeks to hear from them. And I got so excited about this, not just because it would give me a chance to think about and pray about and rest a little for the next few weeks, but also for these people from our teaching team, elders and Pastor Doug, uh, to share kind of what God has put on their heart as we navigate this crisis together. And I, I just think that God in His providence has set this fun little series for us to hear different perspectives on what is happening right now. And so this week, our first teacher is Steve Moody. Steve is one of the ministering elders in our church. Uh, he uh, is also on our teaching team. And I kid you not, every single week when we meet together, if Steve is there, no matter what we're talking about, if it's an exodus or Christmas or anything, we always seem to get drawn back into Colossians chapter 3. Probably because this is such a powerful and life-giving text, gospel-focused, and it's Steve's verse. It's his passage. If you know Steve, you, you have heard Colossians 3 from him. And so as we were thinking about what to talk about during these next few weeks, all of us knew Steve has to preach Colossians 3. And so we get the pleasure and privilege of hearing Steve share how this passage not only has spoken into him, but also what he believes this means for you. So as we prepare to hear from Scripture, in a few moments, we're going to uh, hear that in our tradition of hearing Colossians 3 together, we're going to hear from the Vanderwada family read to us. And as they read Colossians 3, I just want to encourage you to read along and to hear the Word of God speak. And at the end of the reading of Scripture, our host will say, this is the word of the Lord, and for you to respond back, thanks be to God. Would you stand with me for the reading of Scripture? Good morning, Cornerstone family. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. 
Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Thanks be to God. Hey, we're going to be spending a lot of time in this passage that was just read to you. So it would be great if you could just grab your Bible and maybe a pencil or pen and a piece of paper because there's going to be a lot of stuff we're going to have to go over pretty quickly, but it's important stuff for us to know and understand in our relationship with God. And with that in mind, let's just take a minute and pray, shall we? God, thank you. Thank you so much that we have your word. And thank you that you aren't bound by a building or a place. But in all of our living rooms, wherever we are watching and taking part of this, you are there with us. And so, God, we ask that your spirit would teach, your spirit would encourage, uh, your spirit would challenge each of us in our walk with you. And, God, that you would help everyone who is listening to be able to discern what words are coming from Steve and what words are coming from you. But God, I just ask that you would guide my words as I preach uh, this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you know, one of the things that, that is true about me and in my life as I was growing up and even recently is that I grew up in a very performance-oriented house. And I learned to get my identity from what I did. And that carried on to me in my life and, and, it, and it became something like I had to earn everything. So I would try to earn by getting college degrees. I would try to earn by, by working up the, the corporate ladder, if you will. I was in education uh, by, by doing all kinds of things to wave my hand and my arms and say, hey, here I am, look at what I've done. And you see, it also poured over into my Christian life. Even though I knew that I was saved by grace, even though I knew that God had forgiven me, I would still find myself falling back into this performance thing, that somehow I wasn't performing correctly for God or enough for God and trying to earn again. So that's why this passage is so important to me because as I've gotten to know it and I've gotten to study it, I think there's a clear picture that takes care of that. You see, there's a lot of do's and don'ts in this passage and if we just skip to those, then we end up looking at the Christian life as earning. But there's more to it than that. And so I want us to understand that a life worth living is here in these 17 verses. But it starts with this. It starts with knowing who you are in Christ. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Here we go. If then you have been raised with Christ. We need to stop right there. Because all of this is based on the if then. 
And the if then is based upon what Paul said to the people earlier when he said that you have died with Christ. Verse, verse 12 of chapter 2, he says, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, listen to this, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. So the if then, so if that is true about you, if you have received Jesus, then what follows the if then is true about you. And here's the first if then, right? If then you have been raised with Christ. You see, the first thing that, that has to happen that we need to know to be a follower of Jesus, that we have new life. We just had Easter and we talked about Jesus being raised from the dead. But, but ladies and gentlemen, if we've accepted Christ, we have been raised to a new life now as well. We have a new life in us. But what's even more exciting that we, that we often pass up very quickly is that we have been raised with whom? We have been raised with Christ. Turn over a page. Paul gets so excited about this. Turn over to Colossians 1, verse 15. This is the Christ that we have been raised with. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Get this, for by him all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And get this, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul has just talked about who that Jesus is, and then in chapter 3, in the first verse, he says, that's who you've been raised with. That's who died for you. That's the one in whom you have new life. If then you have died, then you have been raised to new life. And you have new life with Christ. You need to know who you are before you can be who you are. Look down at verse 3. Paul says, for you have died, and we just talked about that, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you know that commentators, I looked around and I looked at everything they read and I looked at the words and everything and they're not all clear on what it means, but here's some general ideas about what it means to be hidden in Christ. It means that you are a precious possession to Christ. That he has put you in the most secret place in his arms. You are secure in him. And there's nothing more important to him than you. And he will never let you go. That is who you are. But look at what else it says in verse 4. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Two things there. Who is your life? Who is your life? That Jesus. Remember chapter 1? He is your life, it says. And then it says this. Then you also will appear with him in glory. When he returns, he shares his glory with you. He takes his jewel, his treasure, his precious possession, and he says, here it is with me. And that's you. If the if-then refers to you that's who you are 
that's who he's made you to be. If then is true about you. And let's go down to verse 11. Here, in other words, in Christ, the if then, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no class system in, in, in the Christian faith, okay? There is no socioeconomic status. There is no bank account status. There is no home status. There is no work status. There is no professional status. There is whatever it is. No, we are all the same. We all died with the cross. We all rose with Christ. We are all the same. There is no racial status. And there's, there's no number of followers in social media status. We are all the same with Christ. And that is a good thing. But look at verse 12. This is how he finishes this up with regards to, to who we are, knowing who we are. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You see what he's saying there? This is true about you. If you are the if-then, if you have accepted Jesus, then God pointed to you and said, I want you. And you are his. And he wanted you to be his. You didn't come in through the back door. He wanted you. He chose you. And then look, and then it says, and then it says, holy which we often say, well, means, means set apart. And it does mean set apart. It means more than that. But set apart means is, is that this great God not only chooses you, but he doesn't leave you on the bench. He has a place for you in the game to represent him in this world. Chosen, holy, and he's made you righteous through Christ so that you can be in the game for him. And then the last one is beloved, beloved. Sometimes we don't believe that one. We believe we're forgiven. We believe that there is an eternity for us, but feeling and knowing that we are beloved by God is a tough one for some of us. But God loves you. God delights in you. And I just want to tell you what I've shared with some people before. Maybe you haven't heard this, but I want you to hear this. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing that you can do to make him love you less. He just does. So we need to know who we are. You see, context is everything. If we try to live the Christian life without knowing who we are first, we're going to fall into that legalism trap. We're going to fall into that performance trap. So we need to know who we are. So, so now that we've done that, we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to go through this again. And we're going to go from knowing who we are and the context of knowing who we are to being who we are. So let's go right back to verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, and here is the first one, 
Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, we, we'd often think that, okay, okay, I, I, I'm going to be a Christian now. What do I need to do? You know, what do I need to get busy doing? And, and Paul says the first thing is to take time to seek things that are above. The, 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 the New International Version at that point says, set your heart on things above. In other words, we need to take time to be with God, to align our passions with God's passions, to know what he wants, to know what's important to him, to know who he is. We need to spend time with God. So we need to seek him. And then look right at verse 2. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. So we not only need to seek God, we need to set our mind on things. In fact, Paul in chapter 12 of Romans says that, that, we, that we need to make sure that we don't put our mind on things of the earth, but things of God, and, and that will transform our lives. So the first two parts of being a follower of Jesus isn't getting up and doing anything. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning about who he is and what he wants from you and taking in the things that are from him and filtering out the things that are coming from the world. That's the first step in being who you are. But then we go from there. To verse 5, it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in, in, in you, okay? Now, anytime I come to a therefore, for, I ask, what was the therefore, therefore? You see, we can't put to death anything unless we know who we are in Christ. Unless we have been, unless the if-then is true about us unless we have been raised with Christ, unless we are seeking the things of God, unless we are transforming our mind to be aligned with God's thoughts and God's plans, and only then can we begin to put to death, to annihilate those earthly things that are contrary to God. And there he lists them, doesn't he? Sexual immorality, impurity, Passion. By passion, he means just those, 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 those desires that are way out of control, okay? Evil desire and covetousness or, or, or greed, which is idolatry. Now, some will say that, 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 that idolatry just has to do with, with covetousness or greed, but I would say if we look at these in our culture, any of those could be a God for us, and that's what idolatry means. We replace God with something else. And Paul says, put those things to death. Well, why would we want to do those? Come on, let's look back at who we are. We have been raised to new life. We're hidden in God's arms. We are loved beyond and, and chosen and forgiven. And all of that is true. We have new life. Why wouldn't we want to get rid of these? And it says that the, these are the reasons that the wrath of God is coming. God's going to get rid of what's bad on this earth because he loves you. That's why he's doing it. Let's move on. So 
We put to death, therefore. Let's move, let's, let's move on down to um, verse, verse 8. Um, he, he says, but now you must put them all away. What's he talking about? He's talking about, well, he just said put to death, therefore, what is earthly. And then he says, says you used to walk in these things in verse 7 when you were living in them. In other words, it's no longer your identity, is it? It's no longer your identity. But now, because you have a new identity, because you have been raised with Christ, because the if-then is true with you, you must put them all away. There's one of my favorite words again, all. We can't pick and choose and be a follower of Jesus. And then he lists some anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have, what? Put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Any of you have kids know that you buy clothes for them and pretty soon they have either worn them out or they no longer fit, okay? And that's the idea of putting on the new self. You see, as we, as we grow in Christ, as we become more, as God works in our lives and we become more aligned with who we are in Christ, then less and less of the old stuff fits. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for us to wear them anymore. It would be like my, my cowboy fans in this community coming and walking around town with 49er jerseys on. Or it would be like Pastor Logan coming up here who is a diehard San Francisco Giants fan and preaching in a Dodger shirt and a Dodger cap. It just doesn't fit. It's not, and that's what happens to us, okay? As we become more and more aligned with Christ, more and more of those things that are part of the old self just don't fit us anymore. And that's what it means to be who you are in Christ. You have put it off. But then look down. At verse 12, we're told to put off these things, but God always replaces them with something, doesn't he? Here he says, put on then, and remember we read this before, as God's chosen ones, holy and, and, and beloved, okay? Put on then, what are we to put on? We're to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Who does all of this look like? You see, we can only represent Christ in the world when we know who we are in Christ. We don't have to worry about what other people think. We don't have to worry about our own status. We don't have to worry about making a name for ourselves. Jesus has done that for us far beyond anything that we could ever do on our own. But it frees us up to go and be compassionate, to go and be kind, to, to go and be humble and not have to be proud, to be meek and to be patient. We can't do those things without Jesus. We can't do those things without knowing who we are in Christ. 
and bearing with one another. You notice that we've gone from personal to community, haven't we? We've gone from personal to community. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. You can only forgive like that if you know who you are. If the if then of chapter 3 verse 1 is true about you. And then he says, and above all of these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And here, interesting, interesting for us as believers, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What's the peace of Christ? It's the gospel. It's the truth. It's our forgiveness. It's our new life. It's our eternity. It's all of that. You see, we need to let that rule in our hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. What does that mean? In other words, Paul is saying that sometimes in the church, we let other things rule. We let things like whether we like the music or whether someone sits in our place in church or, or, or whether we like the sermon or not, we let a whole lot of things rule, become the most important instead of the gospel, instead of Jesus and what he's done for us, and being grateful for who we are in him. And it's interesting that, that right after that, he says, he says and, and let the rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called body, and what? And what does he say after that? And be thankful. Be thankful. We need to know who we are. And then live a life of gratitude and thankfulness back to him. That's what it means to be who you are. And then verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, don't come and just every once in a while open your Bible and say, ching, ching, check, I checked it off, I read my Bible today. No, it says let it, let it, let it rule, let it dwell, let it dwell. You need to think on it. You need to meditate on it. You need to get it into your life and live according to it. That is what it means to dwell. And how do we do that? It says through teaching, through admonishing one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another in all wisdom. We, can, we do it through our worship and we do it through thankfulness. All of those things. That's who we are corporately. But we can't do those things if the if-then is not true about us. And then he wraps it up, doesn't he? Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He has done so much for you. You have a new life because of him if the if-then is true about you. And we are to live lives every day, get up in the morning and thank him for the life that we have and ask him to give us the strength and the power to live for him with gratitude to him for all that we have and all that we do. 
and ask him to help us to represent him well because we are so proud of who we are in him and that he has chosen us and set us apart and loved us and died on the cross for us and rose us to new life, has given us new life. That is who we are. And that is what it means to live a life, to have a life worth living. Know who you are in Christ. Be who you are in Christ. And I just want to say if the if then is not true for you, if you are not there, I just want to encourage you to just give your life to him. Because we know where all the other stuff ends. It doesn't end well. God is waiting for you. God has longing for you to choose him so that this if then can be true about you as well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you have made us to be in you. Nothing we've earned nothing we can do on our own but totally because of you and out of gratitude for that and out of understanding that we are new creations help us to live according to who we now are for your honor and glory we pray this in jesus name amen